Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, we got some exciting news from The Young and the Restless, which is that Courtney Hope will be crossing over to the soap as her B&B alter ego, Sally Spectra, which I just love. So Y&R and B&B have had great success in the past, bringing actors over in character, like Kimberlyn Brown Sheila, Eileen Davidson's Ashley, Tracy Bregman's Lauren, and Adrian France's Amber, just to name a few. And I appreciate that the show realizes that there's so much potential with this character that they will continue her story in Genoa City. Now we know from Bold and Beautiful that Sally is in the fashion business. She will have a connection to Lauren, who owns department stores. So we'll see her from the get-go with a beloved character, and I can't wait to see where it goes. I just love that when B&B released Courtney, we were lamenting on the podcast not only that the show was losing an actress of her caliber, but also that there was so much untapped potential in the character of Sally as well. Uh, so this, to me, is the best possible outcome. You know, not only that YNR snapped up someone so talented, but that Sally's journey will continue, albeit in Genoa City. Uh, I personally really love crossovers. They may not be the cup of tea uh, of fans who watch only one show and in this case, we'll need to do some catch up to wrap their minds uh, around who Sally is. But because I watch all the shows, they are right up my alley. And I always think it's fun to see a character that I know from one show in a totally new environment and interacting with a totally different community of characters. I mean, I'm one of those people who thought I had died and gone to soap heaven when GH imported One Life to Live's Todd Manning. Uh, and for those YNR fans who don't know anything about Sally Spectra, I think they're in for a real treat. Oh, I agree. I mean, I've said this so many times before, but I wish we could see more characters from All My Children and One Life on GH. I mean, I don't want to take away from the amazing actors on GH, but a drop in here and there would be delightful. Now, someone who couldn't reprise her All My Children role is Kim Delaney, because Jenny died, but we now know that she is playing Jackie Templeton on GH, a totally inspired move on the part of the show. So Jackie was famously played by Demi Moore before she was famous. Uh, we haven't seen the character since 1984, so there's a whole lot of history to draw on from there. 
I just loved her first scenes with Tristan Rogers' Scorpio, which just illustrated one of the many reasons you keep vets around, because they instantly add credibility and weight to current stories. Like if Scorpio wasn't there and Luke isn't there, Jackie being back just wouldn't really pack the same punch. Very true. Uh, and of course, the show upped the ante in terms of tying Jackie into current story in a few other ways. Uh, one, she's going to be involved in Lulu's investigation into Cyrus. And two, and yet more importantly, she is Chase's mother and Finn's much-hated stepmother. So the family secret that fans have been wondering about is uh, finally going to come to light. I recently spoke to Josh Swickard, who plays Chase, and he is so psyched about having Kim for a mom on the show. Uh, he said that sometimes when you work with a new actor, you really need to work to get where you need to be with them on camera. But it was obvious from day one with him and Kim that it was just going to be easy to have the connection they needed for the scenes. Uh, and I also love, speaking of vets, that between Jackie's history with Robert and Jackie's history with Finn, it looks like Kim and Finola Hughes are being set up for a very interesting on-screen relationship, which I so welcome. Uh, I have to say, there's so much stuff going on on GH that I'm excited about, and Anna is at the center of a lot of it. Not only because of the Jackie stuff, but because Obrecht is back and wanting revenge not only on Peter, but on those who aided and abetted him, AKA Anna. <laughs> and it seems like a really great time to be an Anna fan. And who isn't an Anna fan? Um, I actually don't know anyone who isn't an Anna fan. And I agree with you. I mean, GH has a lot of great stuff going on right now. I really love how Lisa Lo Cicero's Olivia has gotten a burst of screen time since the show came back after the production shutdown. I liked seeing Nurse Amy out of the hospital and chatting with Brooklyn and using Risa Dorkin's incredible vocal talents to boot. I mean, GH has an enormous cast. I know it's hard to work everyone in. But it really feels like after weeks of Mike's death playing out and Sonny and Carly and that crew taking center stage, we're seeing more people on the front burner. I appreciate how the show included Homecoming, which we spoke to Ina McCoy about last week, because the pandemic has really KO'd so many real life events. And I love the idea that it's all normal, not a new normal in Port Charles. Agreed. Uh, now, GH is not the only show uh, showing some love to its vets. YNR is poised for a big week ahead as the Abbots prepare to say goodbye to Dina. And our guest today, Judith Chapman, will soon be making her triumphant return to Genoa City as Gloria. I know that will be welcome news to a lot of viewers, so let's get her on the line to talk about it. Hi, Judith. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Hello, Marla. Hello, hello. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We are so happy to be talking to you. Well, my pleasure. Believe me, my pleasure. And so happy that you're going to be back on The Young and the Restless. And we are Who'd not have thought? Who'd have thought? Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, Judith, there's so much to talk to you about today, but let's start with your upbringing. Um, how did you discover your love of performing? Okay. How many years? Years ago. Last mid-century sometime. My father's a retired Air Force general. God rest him. He's out in Arlington now. Um, I was born in South Carolina, but my mother did a typically Southern thing and went home to have each of us. She said, I don't know where they're going to end up, but I sure as heck know where they're going to start out. So she <laughs> went home to her mama to have each of her babies. I'm the, ba I'm the baby of the babies. And, uh, but we traveled all over the world. And I have very progressive father and mother. And so whatever country we're living in, they exposed us to the culture, the, the country, the, the, the people. And we were living in England, 
And my eldest sister had started modeling. And then we were in England and Spain back to back. And I was a freshman in high school, so I was quite young. And my, my sister, Patty, God rest her soul, um, had an agent in Madrid. And her agent called her and said, and said, listen, I've got a commercial for you to do. Why don't you, just an extra part, why don't you let your little sister do it? So I asked my mother if I could skip school the next day and go make $10 or something. And um, that was it. The monster was born. I hid the whole time. My, my sister's boyfriend took me and, uh, to the set. And of course, I was terrified. But the agent said, you know, she's kind of cute. Let's get some pictures and um, we'll get her some work. So I started, I was one of those teenage actors and started working when I was a freshman and sophomore in high school and living in Spain. And then we moved back to the States and I decided I did want to go to college, get a college degree in theater, of course, and then um, pounded the pavements, hit, hit New York City at the ripe age of 20. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I would see, you know, stuff on the street and kind of gag because I was very young. I was very green. You made your daytime debut in 1975 playing Natalie on As the World Turns. Tell us your As the World Turns casting story. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh, I just got goosebumps. I got the call. I mean, I'd been in New York uh, not a very long time. I was doing some commercials and I auditioned for a couple of things. And, uh, but I got the call from, I think Joe Williams was the producer at the time. And Freddie Bartholomew was also one of the execs. And uh, I got a call back and got another call back and they put me on screen on film and or video. And uh, the producer called and said, you got the job. And he said, do you want to know why you got this job? And I said, yeah, I'd like to know why. He said, because you took direction so well. I have always remembered that. But the fellow playing my love interest, um, David Colson, who then became a writer on the show. But after a while, he came up to me and gave me the best piece of advice I was ever given about a soap opera acting in general. And I'd already gotten a college degree in acting. But he came up and he said, you know, Judith, um, have an attitude. Do something. Pick an emotion and run with it. And I was okay. And something that came very easily to me was being bitchy. So I took Natalie, Natalie became nasty Natalie. But it was so profound because I gave the producers something, the director. And then if they didn't like it, we could adjust it. So thank you, David Carlson. I remember that to this day. And when I teach um, young actors, and so I always pass on that information. But yeah. Well, you were on that show for three years, and Natalie married into the Hughes family when she tied the knot with Tom. So what are your standout memories of being in Oakdale? Well, they at the time were priming me to be the next Eileen Fulton, I think. But I did this crazy film called Scalpel starring Robert Lansing, and we shot the whole thing in, in Atlanta, and I got time off from the show, no problem. And, uh, and then when the film was over, Robert said, it's time to get your butt out of New York, off a of soap opera, it's time for you to move to LA. And I was like, okay, but I really kind of like New York and I like working on this soap opera. One of the reasons I like working, and I get, excuse me, my nose is itching, um, Larry Brigman, who was also on As the World Turns, but I loved watching him. First of all, he's a wonderful actor anyway, but he was a, a, a um, 
Al Pacino was a big fan of his, loved working with him. So um, Larry would do the soaps in the daytime and then go do Broadway at night and do theater and do his other projects. And I went, that's the perfect life. So he was always my role model, but I walked into the producer's office and as the world turned and had this bomber jacket on pink and black satiny thing. And I turned around and it said Hollywood on the back. I said, okay, I'm not reciting. I'm moving to Hollywood. Yeah, I know. I was pretty obnoxious then. I've become so shy since then. But anyway, so I decided to leave the show and uh, moved to LA and uh, starred for a while, but uh, it didn't take very long. And I started working and I just started working and doing a lot of prime time, a few commercials. And um, Gloria Monty called one day and said, come audition. I went, now, wait a minute. You don't do soap operas in LA. You do those in New York. So you can do Broadway at night. And I turned her down. I said, no, I don't want to do General Hospital, obviously. And I said, uh, no, no, I don't think I want to do a soap in LA. Well, I was in Mexico for New Year's traveling with a couple of friends and got back to the hotel and just sort of off the wall said, any messages? And the guy said, the concierge said, your, opera, uh, um, your agent called from Los Angeles and you have to call her right now. And I'm like, my agent? How'd she find me? I didn't even tell her I was leaving town. <laughs> so she, I, get, I get her on the phone. She said, I have talked to five Mexican operators. I do not speak Spanish. Gloria wants you. Get your rear end on a bus, on a plane. You start work in three days. And I went, that's the way I like to go to work. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I did. I, I would manage to get a standby flight, but only to Tijuana, from Guadalajara to Tijuana, got on a bus and got to Hollywood and said, here I am, Gloria. So, That's amazing. Now, great before, stories. Before I don't think before, about these things, so thank you for the memories. Yes, well, I need to ask because are on like a who's who or a what's what of every big 80s show that there ever was in prime time. I mean, Fantasy Island, Love Boat, all of it. Did it, did yeah. it, did it. Do you have a favorite that you did? Well, I just, there were so many people that I worked with, so many of the, the character actors, the, 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 you know, Angela Lansbury, the Mark Michael Landons, the, you name it, um, even Toto, the plane, the plane, um, <laughs> Incredible Hulk, Bill Bixby. I mean, I just love these people. In fact, I'll gloat a little bit here. The other day, a friend, good friend, doesn't really watch soaps, but, um, you know, we're friends. And he said, which soaps haven't you done? And he said, done. And I said, well, you know, there are a few, not many. But I said, something I am proud of, I have probably done more primetime series, episodics, episodic, maybe feature films, than most soap actors. So that's why, for me, I always say, um, people say, oh, you're a daytime star, you're this star. And I say, no, no, no. I'm a working actor. Mm -hmm. So diversity is the spice of life. So be able to go from daytime to prime time to an occasional feature film or a play or a theater. A la Larry Brigman. Thank you, Mr. Brigman. Yeah. Well, before you came on to G uh, came on to GH and made such a huge splash as Jenny Blake, you had a run on Ryan's Hope as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it was short but so beautifully received. What stands out to you about your time on Ryan's Hope where you played Charlotte Greer? Charlotte Greer. Oh, my gosh. I get goosebumps. Thank you for all these memories. Um, I, I got a call to fly to New York to screen test for, um, for Ryan's Hope. Got on the plane, stayed with my dearest girlfriend. 
and uh, went to the studio, did the test, and after the producer uh, used to work at the Old Globe in San Diego too, but he came out and he said, do you have to get back to New York or to LA? And I went, no, not really. He said, good, because you start shooting tomorrow. And I got the job and I called my friend. I said, I think I'm staying for a few months. <laughs> so yeah, I love that part so much. And sometimes a clip or two will come up and I'm like, God, I was so pretty. Look at that hair. Look at that. Anyway, um, I love that show. Love Patty Gallagher. Saw her. Um, I can't remember which theater was doing a show, a one woman show, not a one woman show, but a show about Tallulah Bankhead. Flash forward many years, I played Tallulah Bankhead last year. So, um, so all these little circular things. But I was so, and help me with his name. Pearson? Pearson, Pearson, Pearson. But I had such a mad crush on him. I mean, everybody did. I mean, all women do. But he was just such, and we were, I was supposed to, my storyline was I was supposed to kill him. It was a vendetta. But to work with Kathleen Widows and Roy Poole as my parents. Again, brilliant Broadway stage actors. And um, it's, uh, but we did a scene. A sort of a flashback of old Ireland and we had the corset and the lace up and the thing very sensual looking and we had this love scene I mean this is a lot of years ago and uh, after we shot it the network I think it was they were ABC right and ABC con said nope pulling that pulling the plug on that scene is far too erotic far too sexy you can't do it and god bless him the producers said the heck with you we're putting it on the air so it was for the time one of the sexier scenes ever to appear on a soap opera and we had our clothes on too uh-huh. oh wow <laughs> gotta go find that oh yeah nice memories from uh, ryan's hope I see Jeff. I see Jeff around the desert, and uh, at, you know when somebody's getting their start. Ron Hale, Ron Hale, because they were all from Ryan's Hope, and Ron Hale got a uh, a star out in front of his favorite restaurant. So we all, of course, went, and I saw Jeff, and um, it was great. Nice, nice memories. Now you did mention GH. Jenny uh, Blake holds a very special place in my heart. I will say. Um, so you did that show from '84 to '86. Uh, certainly a golden era for General Hospital. So tell us what it was like, first of all, to work for Gloria Monty, its legendary executive producer. She terrified everybody. I loved her, you know, and I mean the fact that she hunted me down in Mexico to come work with her. I mean, you know, come on. That's that's a compliment right there. But she was tough. She was tough as nails. And she is one of only two producers that I can think of that ever made me cry. Because she had these, she had little tiny things. She had these, always wore little high heel pumps. And you could hear by the tone in the shoes, the heels on the clippy cloppy, clippy cloppy, clippy cloppy, coming on the judges to wag your finger and say, okay, you do this. And then I was like, no, I'm so sorry, Gloria. Yeah, okay, we'll do it right. And, um, but I... I loved it, and Michael Mendenhall, David Mendenhall played my son, Mikey, and I've seen him over the years, and it's like, what happened? You grew up, what do you mean you got whiskers, and you have an earring, and, but it was so sweet, because one day I was in the makeup room, and Mikey, David, came in, he was still little, maybe he was 10, 12, 13, whatever he was, he was still, and he would look in the mirror, and he would check out his whiskers, and it was like, it was very dear, and to work with Tristan, I mean, Tristan, who is a very good friend, has been for decades, he lives down here in the desert, in fact, I had lunch with his wife yesterday, and um, so lots and lots of fun, but good memories, 
Um, it was not my choice to leave that show, and but things happen. But what I and so I, and Gloria said, "Come here, I want to talk to you in a minute." And I said, "Gloria, what? Are you giving me my pink slip? We'll discuss it in my office." So I was like, "All right." But she, uh, I knew I wanted to be a director and would end up directing someplace, mostly theater, of course. But um, but I said, Gloria, basically, I want your job someday. And I said, may I sit in the booth with you? I said, I'll break down scripts. I'll do all this stuff. And she said, she said, yes. So I would go and sit by her and watch the technical directors and the buttons and the whole thing and the monitors. I, I was just enthralled by that. And she said, now, listen, darling, don't you dare repeat anything you hear in this booth. <laughs> I went, don't worry about it. But, you know, years down the road, I settled in the desert and the love of my life, James, God rest his soul, gone too, um, had a fabulous restaurant and Gloria and his, her sister Norma used to come to the restaurant and they were always very grand and, and all of this stuff. But I would say, here, sit, and they'd buy, they each drank martinis, so I'd get them a martini. And then I realized that if I gave or treated them to a second, bought them a second martini, it would just loosen them up just a little bit, and Gloria would start talking about, talk about the heyday, the 50s, the golden age of the dawn of television. And she was such a mover and shaker in those days, Agnes Nixon, of course. And so I would just sit there enthralled hearing stories of, old Hollywood or, and New York, uh, the, the birth of television. So two martinis that gets them every time. <laughs> That's a good rule. I might employ that in my uh, future. Uh, you want some information? Just have another little one. That's all. <laughs> yeah, they were good. Um, they were good. Uh, I feel like Ginny and Rick were such a, a, a key pairing at that time. What was working with Chris Robinson, who played Rick Weber, uh, like? You know, Chris had his own way of doing things, <laughs> you know. Um, we got along. Uh, everything was fine. And it, it's, oh, God, Rick, it's been so long. But I remember I was somebody sent me a scene. Oh, when I, I was a big breakdown scene when Scorpio had busted me, knew I'd killed Brock. And Chris was just so generous because the thing is he had his own way of doing it. I like to rehearse. I like to run lines. I'm not saying anything out of school or saying anything negative, but he just liked to show up, say, you know, and be done. And I was still of an age that's like, no, run lines, run lines. So we got along great. And I thought the chemistry between them was, um, was very special because fans of the show, fans of the actors who played the first one, D Denise, Denise hated me. I mean, I would drive on the lot, tomatoes, eggs, the whole thing. So it took me it took me a while to bring them around, but I think we finally did it. And um, until it was time to say goodbye, but I loved it. Well, before you did say goodbye, so you mentioned D.L. Brock and that uh, murder and self-defense. Um, what do you remember about that storyline and the reaction to it and working with David Grove? <sighs> yeah, David Grove. Um, I was just so impressed because Gloria was, it was really a huge storyline. And Gloria made these giant, as tall as I am or taller, cut out or pictures, headshots, but blown up. So those became the, the flats, the sets for my studio, for my, for my talk show, I think it was, that Jenny had. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. And so when the whole storyline was over, I said, Gloria, can I 
have those, so they were moved down to my dressing room. But um, I thought it was just a wild, wonderful storyline. I mean, I just got to do everything. I got to kill people and just be overly dramatic and sob hysterically in Rick's arms saying, I, I, I did it, I did it, I did it. And um, him being the compassionate, understanding husband. So uh, that was wild. That was wild. Soap gold, I tell you. Thank uh, you. Now, uh, in 1987, fast forwarding a little bit, you had a stint on One Life to Live playing Sandra. And there you worked for another big name executive producer, uh, Paul Rausch. Paul so Rausch. what was your One Life experience like in working with Paul? Paul Rausch. Well, by this time, I was settled into the California lifestyle and the thought of going back to New York. And I just bought my first home that I'd ever bought at. And uh, I was in my swimming pool in my back garden, lived by myself. And it just, I, and the phone rings. It's my agent. <laughs> and they called and they said, Paul Rausch wants you to fly back to New York and do One Life to Live for a couple of years. And I said, I'm standing here dripping wet. They can't pay me enough money to move back to New York. Hang on. God, I turned a lot of people down. But he called back, too. <laughs> he called back, too. So it worked in my favor once in a while. And um, they said, well, would you go back for six months? And I said, that I can do. So I rented my house and moved back and did the part of Sandra. But, yeah, but Paul, to hook up, hook up to see Paul again and reacquaint each other, um, with them on Young and the Restless was a real thrill. So, yeah, but I always say, they, I mean, how pretentious of me. They, I'm dripping wet. They can't pay me enough money to go back to New York. Right. So, what are you going to do? LA lifestyle in a pool to come back to, you know, the concrete. Hello, hello, hello. And, and when I had, I rented sight unseen a, a cute little, um, um, a pond, uh, you know, one of those four plexes in the old Spanish over there near the farmer's market on Blackburn Avenue. Gosh. And um, my first morning or so renting this little place and there was a knock on my door and I opened the door and the newspaper was there and these kids were outside and they said, we're on a scavenger hunt. Do you have this or that? And I went, oh, this is fantastic. I can get used to this lifestyle a lot. I said, how sweet. A neighborhood. Kids doing... Um, scavenger hunts and getting a newspaper off your front lawn so very different well what would what can you say about your one life experience what stands out to you oh oh one life so it was fabulous it was short-lived i will tell you though because andrea andrea, 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 andrea. We hit it off. We hit it off. I thought, you know, she's so famous. I said, she probably won't like me. But we hit it off. And we ended it when I, you can cut this if you want, Stephanie. But a, a storyline that I affectionately referred to as Sluts in the Slammer. <laughs> <laughs> That's staying. Andrea, Andrea and I are in jail. Well, somehow, um, Sandra, my character, gets hung. And I guess this was after I'd left the show or, you know, it was dead and I'd left the show. And I just remember again, pompous me looked at, it, I said, those are not my ankles. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they'd gotten a body double, somebody to hang there. And I went, those are my ankles. <laughs> anyway, but great fun, short lived, uh, <clears throat> but then great fun to reunite with a Paul Roush many years later, later. All right, so about back to, my, back to my swimming pool in Thousand Oaks. Exactly. 
So about two years uh, after One Life, Days of Our Lives hired you to play Angelica Devereaux, who was, of course, a spoiler in the Adrian-Justin romance. So what stands out to you about your time on Days and working with Wally and Judy, uh, uh, as well as John Aniston? I, mean, I keep having this recurring nightmare with Days of Our Lives. No, I loved it. And when the producer, Ken, uh, brought several of us, Wally included, into his office, not it collectively, but individually, and told me that I was being released from that show. I just, I said, this is the saddest one. I adored Angelica. I mean, Jenny was great fun. Angelica was a little more evolved, a little more refined, a little more sophisticated than Jenny was, of course. But I was very, very sorry to um, to leave that show. And because it was, and then when I did go back for a short stand a couple of years ago, um, nobody changes on soap operas. We're all caught in this wonderful time warp. We just never change. And all this to see Albert and to see the same makeup people and to see um, Drake, who uh, I didn't really work with that much, but he's like, he's the historian on Days of Our Lives. And I'd be looking at my script and say, I don't know what this story, when, I, when they asked me to do Diana for a couple of months, and I said, oh my God. And Drake would not miss a beat, and he'd go, well, Judith, this is what happened, and then this happened, and then you did this, and then I did this, and then that, da, 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 and then got Diane, and she's trying to try. And I went, you remember all this stuff? <laughs> So, so it was, we, we did do a lot of work together this time around. I said, Drake, what is this story? Refresh me. <laughs> but it was just, it was very dear. It was very dear mm -hmm. back um, in the day. But I was very sorry to leave Days of Our Lives originally. Yeah, yeah you were great as Angelica. Angelica was fabulous. And all those wonderful, all those wonderful actors. And um, uh, John Aniston, um, I saw him, went to a Days party or a Sony party actually and I walked up to him I didn't know if he'd remember me and he just looked and he said hello Judith how are you so I don't know if somebody told him I was there but very dear so that again the soap families are intertwined and um, very dear Dishing with Digest is proudly sponsored by Nutrisystem Nutrisystem is a leader in the weight loss industry, having helped millions of people lose weight over the course of more than 45 years. Do you feel like in these times of social distancing and working from home that weight gain has been creeping up on you with all those takeouts and snacks? Let me tell you, you're not the only one. This is where Nutrisystem can help and get you back on track. The plans are designed by nutrition experts and provide you with the right balance of nutrients and the right amount of calories to help you lose weight safely. Nutrisystem is simple and convenient and it's great getting delicious, filling meals delivered right to your door every week for way less than you would spend on takeout or delivery. And it's much healthier. All the meals are quick to prepare and a delicious breakfast is as easy as grabbing a snack bar or a muffin on your way out the door. All you need to do is follow the perfectly portioned meal plan. It's reduced the stress of meal planning and shopping and I'm eating so much better. There's a wide variety of recipes and I save so much time as meals come together quickly, which is less stressful and way less time consuming than going to the grocery store. My favorite foods are the thick crust pizza and the chocolatey pretzel bar. And I can assure you that it's a great program for those looking for a complete plan to lose weight and stay healthy. 
order Nutrisystem now. Go to our partner site, Nutrisystem.com slash usweekly to get 50% off. Again, that's Nutrisystem.com slash U-S-W-E-E-K-L-Y to get 50% off. Now back to the show. Moving on to Young and the Restless, you actually made your YNR debut as a temporary replacement for Jess Walton as Jill when Jess was under the weather. So what do you remember about that experience and who did you work with? Again, I got, I'd been in Europe. My, my, my brother-in-law is Spanish and one of the leading actors in Spain and Europe. And it was the 92 Olympics. And I, he was playing Medea opposite Irene Pappas, the fabulous Greek actors from Zorba the Greek and God knows what. And she was doing um, Medea, not Medea, Jason and the Argonaut, Medea, Medea, the one who kills her children. And I said, I'm not missing that party. So I flew over to Madrid, to Barcelona, and uh, the, but the play was being directed by a fabulous uh, female Spanish director. Um, the sets were designed by the opera guy from Moscow, set designer from Moscala. I mean, um, Vangelis did the music. I mean, it was just this international thing. And um, what was the question? <laughs> oh, and so fast forward and was there opening night and what I would go to rehearsals and they'd rehearse till two, three in the mornings in this 2000 year old Greek amphitheater. And again, I'm just in awe of being around Irene Pappas. I mean, she was probably in her 60s when she was doing this, but she moved like this ballerina and, you know, this wonderful, wonderful stuff. Get back to LA, happened to call my agent again, <laughs> say, what's been happening? And she said, well, Jess Walton's really sick, I'm young and the restless, and they want to know if you'll come fill in for her. And I went, absolutely, when do they need me? And they said, like, two days. So I said, I'm going home. So I came back to the desert, turned around, they put me up at Chateau Marmont, which was great fun, and then filled in for Jess. And she got, she, she didn't stay sick very long. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah we, we chuckle about that years later mm-hmm. yeah so, that so was it. it was about what uh 12 years later that YNR announced that you were joining the show as Gloria uh you succeeded Joan Van Ark in the role and uh outside of your brief turn as Jill it had been about 13 years since yeah, you I hadn't had done a soap in out. forever I mean I was really yeah. just focusing on um film primetime yeah. TV features everything so, so how did they get you how they get me? No, I asked the universe because I was living here in my wonderful other half, James, of many, many years. And one day I said, you know, James, and I was also teaching at College of the Desert, so I was doing a lot of, wearing a lot of different hats. And I, and one day I said, you know, James, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of the desert. This is, done. lo and behold, thank you, universe, um, why in our calls? And Marnie was casting uh, from Days of Our Lives, and uh, now it days. And so I went in and read for her, and she said, okay. She said, you'll be back. She said, I'm sorry to make you audition, but you haven't done a soap and ever. I said, no, 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 I'm fine with this. And so she gave me a couple little tidbits that I might bring to the next audition and had this second audition. And then the third one was in the beautiful theater at CBS there in Hollywood. And um, for all the head honchos, Sony, CBS, everybody. And I walked in and got to do my scenes. My scenes were with Christian. And I don't think I'd met him really. I may have crossed paths with him once 
and uh, and when I walked out, I said, "This one's mine." I said, "I know." You just have a gut feeling when you know it all comes together. Got back in my car and um, was driving to get on the 10 freeway to come back to LA. And I called my agent and I said, listen, if I don't get this one, I, I, I don't know what's what, but this one should be mine. And about 10, thank God I didn't turn my phone off because about 10 <laughs> minutes later, he called, Brian called and he said, you got the part, stay in town. You got to go back to the studio tomorrow to get papers and fill out paperwork and whatnot. And uh, so I said, yay. And so I called a friend who lived in the valley. I said, can I come stay? She said, it's really not a good time tonight. And I went, oh, okay. And um, so I went, wait a minute. I said, what? I said, Holiday and Express. I've seen those commercials. Pulled in, stayed, and ended up living there for about seven months. This lovely Indian family, East Indian family, owned it, the grandmother with the sari. And I lived there until I finally said, I need my own place. Um, I said, I think I'm going to be around here for a while. And, um, but it was so special. But even walking on set to do those first scenes, because there's just, a, and I smelled it the other day again, there's just a smell about a sound stage, the sound, the quiet, the still. And it, it I just, it was so special. And my very first scene, scenes were with the great Eric Braden. So I'm walking towards the set. He's sitting looking at the script and da da da, doing it very great. And it was like this. And the cameras were there facing him. And I went, okay, Chapman. And I went, oh my God, my very first day on The Young and the Restless, and my very first scenes are with Aaron Brayton. And I could see a curl just coming around at the corners of his mouth. And he got up and everybody just went, oh, my God, she's not intimidated by him. And um, we've been great friends ever since. And so I walked in. And, and then after he got, after I seen he got up and shook my hand. He said, you're good. You're very, very good. <laughs> Welcome, Judith. So that was great. But another little sidestep, the, the original producer on a, Young and the Wrestler, whom I had auditioned for in New York back way back in the day when I was still on As the World Turns. Um, <clears throat> um, John Convoy, who is the great original producer, did Santa Barbara's well. We, but we became great friends. Rest in peace, he's gone too. Um, but we became great friends out here. He used to come to our restaurant and all kinds of fun stuff. So I had great fun um, calling him after I got the job and say, John, it's Judith. Well, it's taken me about 35 years, but I'm finally doing your show. <laughs> so he was very, he was very pleased and happy about that. Well, the on-screen magic that you share with your TV sons, Christian LeBlanc, who you mentioned, and Greg Rickhart, who plays Kevin, was apparent from the start. You know, what is your take on why the three of you work so well together on camera? I have no idea. And since I hadn't worked with them for a while when I was doing Tallulah and a few other things and not being on Young and the Restless. Um, but even a few weeks ago when I went back, it was the minute we walked on set, it's like we hadn't missed a beat. The chemistry was there, but we all instinctively back in the day in 2005, 2006, in the early days, we just had this connection, you know, instant, instant. I mean, Michael and I, were, you know, not fighting, not fighting. We adored each other, but Michael's very loud. I'm very loud. And I said, Christian, please, mommy needs a five seconds of zen. I like to do my little 10 sec, five, 10 seconds of zen. And, um, and uh, 
it, the camaraderie, the, the 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 generosity that they brought to the scenes that we all gave each other for the scene, that includes Lauren. And uh, it just was, it was instant showbiz magic. One of those rare, rare, wondrous things, which I cherish to this day. And to be able to, it, but I told Christian early on, um, I said, listen, I'm playing your son. You're playing my son. We're not that far apart in age. Um, but I said, as long as I'm playing your mother, you will never have a gray hair. Oh, look at it. So we both got a little gray hair these days. <laughs> I love that. Now, um, earlier on in your YNR run, you worked with the late Roscoe Bourne, who played Gloria's ex Tom. Tell us what working with Roscoe was like. Roscoe, as I said, only two producers have ever made me cry. Gloria being one, and only once, and just a few tears. But he, Robert Lansing, when we did the crazy psychological thriller Scalpel, he terrified me too, um, because he, his work was so genuine. He was, it was had an incestuous thing for his daughter, and I'm playing two characters, the one he makes up to look like the daughter, but he's supposed to rape me, rape the daughter. I mean, and we did the scene a couple of times, and it was terrifying. Flash forward to Roscoe. He did this thing when we were in our scenes. He scared me. I, not in a bad way, in a good way. He scared my character. He threatened my character. Not me, you know, Gloria. And I have never forgotten what he did, but he just had, I don't know if it'll make sense, but he, we would be standing, running lines or five, four, three, two, one. And about the count of three, he would just, excuse me, I'm so sorry. I've got to. He would lean into me. And at first it was like, oh my God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Personal space. Careful. Cool. And But it was so unnerving. And the, his character was supposed to be so unnerving and he, threatening. And just this subtle little gesture that he did. And we would talk about it. I said, you scared that you know what out of me, Roscoe. <laughs> which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. So he committed heart and soul to that evil, evil man. Mm -hmm. Um, he gave me goosebumps. Yeah. Right. God uh, rest his soul. He's gone too. Um, another man in Gloria's life was John Abbott, played by Jerry Douglas. That was a big change for her when she married into that family. So yeah. tell us about working with Jerry and becoming an Abbott. <laughs> becoming an Abbott addict. <laughs> um, John... John was so sweet. I mean, he just, he, he, I think he just really thought I'd never done anything in my life or and no experience. So he treated, it was like, I'm going to pat you on the head, kid. Put, put his armor, take, I'll take care. You don't worry. And I'm like, it's really fine, John. I'm okay with this. <laughs> this is fun. This is, you know, this is what makes me happy in life. And, but he was just so sweet and so, um, um, just so sweet and protective. And it got to the point that he, he trusted me. And so we had a couple of difficult and lovey kind of scenes. And it was just like, I don't know what I said, you know, John, just let me take the lead. I'll take the lead and we'll just go with this thing. And um, so he was very, very dear, but it was like, come on, kid, I'll, I'll, I'll look out for you. <laughs> and so, yeah, I hadn't done a soap in 13 some odd years or so. So very sweet. So yeah, then I became addicted to that other Abbott, Jack. Now, I love the Abbots. I love the Abbots. Eileen, who hated Gloria, and we were just wonderful um, oil and water together, and Jack, and you know, they, because I was the trashy, gold-digging hussy, whatever, 
that was stealing their dad. And again, just it, it, so much of it, the writing, the writing. And I had started watching the show, um, hadn't really watched the show before. And I started watching and I said, oh my gosh, these people are so good. The connections, the storylines, Jack Smith, all this, Ed Scott, all of these wonderful, wonderful people. So by the time I got onto the set, it was, oh, I'm so ready for this because these people, so it's like, yeah, you better believe you do soap operas in LA and it's young and the restless. No, you're gonna be on a soap, go to number one. <laughs> no, so yeah, I loved it. And, and then of course the wonderful shenanigans with uh, between Jack and Eileen and her, 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 Ashley and Gloria and very heartfelt. And then when John died uh, and sort of my bedside confession and he's on a respirator and, those were really heartfelt scenes, really heartfelt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, the Abbots weren't the only uh, family she kind of couldn't quit. She also had a Bardwell situation going on, and you got to work with, of course, Ted Shackelford as both uh, William and Jeffrey. Tell us about that. There are no words. There are no words. Jeffrey, well, first of all, he was sort of uptight uh, William. And I, we used to love to, because Gloria was like, nah, 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 and Gloria was in trouble, and, Will, and and Ted was trying to be very severe, very stern, and blah, blah, blah. But we used to love to make each other laugh. And so when William died, as I say, poor Gloria, she marries him, she buries him. Um, but she, uh, but then when they brought him back, so wonderful again, not to get rid of this brilliant actor. And he came back as Zany Jeffrey. And we just went to town and had so much fun. But our goal was to get each other to crack up at the end of the scene. Taking scene very seriously, doing the work. But it's like, all right, you know, there's wonderful moments at the end of the soap, or soap opera scene, the fade to black stuff. And it's like, come on, laugh, laugh. Wait, let me wait. So I adore to this day Jeffrey, uh, um, Ted, and we stay in touch. And he's just, he was, I, th I think of him, he was the big brother that I never had. Uh, but again, his generosity as an actor and the willingness to give and, and to rehearse, doing what we'd like to do, um, run lines, all of us, Christian, all of us running lines and doing it to find, squeeze every ounce of yumminess out of it. So I'm eternally indebted to the show and to Ted that they matched us up. Mm -hmm. Now, do you have a favorite storyline scene or moment that you've done as Gloria so far in your YNR run? As I say, the zaniness and uh, Josh Griffith, um, actually wrote some of our best stuff. When Gloria started going to more to the comedic side, but all that stuff when Ted and um, when, when Jeffrey and Gloria move into the mansion and I hung my portrait up over the fireplace. So that on the lighter side was just about as good as it gets. But again, going back to uh, Jerry and the death scenes and the court scenes and being thrown out and being so abused and Jack and Ashley thinking they've got the other hand, guess kick this piece of garbage down the road and get on with our lives and struggling back and fighting back and fighting back. So the two extremes, having been able to play both ends of the spectrum, if you will, the emotional spectrum. 
So yeah, those are just two, but there's so many. And you know, when Greg, with, with Roscoe, when Greg was being so tormented and Christian who hated Gloria, never called her mom, never called him mom, but finding that middle ground, a very complex, um, toxic relationships, family, familial relationships. So it's just, it's all been good. It's all been good. But um, Jeff, Jerry dying, that hurt. That hurt. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you, you mentioned uh, Gloria and, and Jack, or you touched on them, but I would like to hear more when they had their surprise fling, which was, I, I thought, very refreshing and charming. Tell us about uh, crafting that arc with Peter Bergman. Well, again, I had I had been away from the show for a little while, and when they called to uh, to say come back, um, got back, jump out of the box for the kids, and, uh, and and I picked up that script and I looked at the script, the one where Jack and I end up quite drunk and quite in bed, um, fully in bed. I, I just went, you got to be kidding. Come on, I know you people stay up all night and think of these crazy storylines to come up with and to write. And, to and I went, are you mad? Me, my stepson, the man who hated me? And Peter and I just looked at each other and went, okay, let's go for it. We had so darn much fun doing that. I mean, and people still talk about it. They say, what are you and Jack going to get drunk together again and have a, have a one night fling? But that opened doors for Gloria because all she ever wanted, she never had any money she was poor as a church mouse and then and she really did love john john taught her how to live taught her how to eat taught her how to dress he, he was her lover husband and father in many ways and um so there was a point but all she wanted was to get some respect and that's why she did the awful cream thing because she just wanted to show those kids and um and show them up and and so when she blackmailed jack and said okay I'm going to tell everybody what you did to me in the GCAC if you don't give me a good job working for you. And unfortunately, somebody told me the other day, said, you know, nobody's still sitting at that desk out in the hallway. I said, we ran out of coffee. I had to go to the corner. I just made a wrong turn. No, I don't know where I ended up. That will be, that will be revealed soon. Well, while Gloria was out for coffee, she you did make your way back to Salem, as you mentioned, first as Angelica oh, yeah. for a Halloween episode, and yeah. then as a recast for Diana Colville, um, where you actually got to team up with Greg Rickhart, now as different roles. So what was that like to play now Diana and Leo? On well, when, when, uh, when, I, uh, when it was all sorted out with Sony. Okay, she can go away and do some a few shows and, and it was great fun. And so I called Marnie and I said, Marnie, okay, everything's ironed out. Nobody's going everybody's fine. And I say, can I call Greg? And she said, yes, but don't say anything because they shoot so far in advance. And and I said, no, 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 I'll be really good. And so I had his number someplace and but she gave it to me and I called him and he was in his car and I said, Greg, it's Judith. And he, of course, knew. We both started squealing like teenage <laughs> girls. Couldn't <laughs> believe it. Excuse me for screaming in your ears. Um, and we just had so much fun. It was a different dynamic. It was, as he said, it's uh, Gloria and Kevin on steroids. 
but great, great, great fun. And you know, to have him to have him be my baby again on two shows. I mean, it's extraordinary. I mean, you talk about prime time, you talk about episodic and feature films. Not many people get these wonderful, and not just me, I mean, actors on soaps have these wonderful arcs and curves and twists and turn. And, you know, one day you're hating your stepson and next day you're in bed with him and then you're working for him. And, and, um, and um, so we had a great good time. We had a great good time. So Diana's sitting in jail someplace, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm thrilled to be back on Young and the Restless because I had always felt in 2005 when I got the job and walked out and I said, this one's mine. And I said, I see me in not ending my career, but playing out my career on this soap opera, going off and doing my theater and my other projects, which I love. But um, so, yeah, Young and the Restless. Okay. So as we're speaking, we know that Gloria is on her way back to Genoa City. And uh, I'm curious to know, you know, what it meant to you, first of all, that the fans had been clamoring for a Gloria fix pretty much from the moment you went out for that coffee. <laughs> um, again, you're giving me goosebumps, Marla. Um, I had no idea. I had no idea. I mean, I knew because people called me, why didn't you come back on the show? And I said, write him a letter. I, I, have no, I have no power. Meanwhile, I'm doing a play. Why don't you buy a ticket for my play? Uh, or I'm doing this film or that, whatever. And um, so when I posted on my Facebook and there were things posted, I could not believe the overwhelming and overwhelmingly positive response to my return. Um, I had no idea. I had no idea. I, I, I knew people want to be and people always say, why aren't you on the show? Well, you know, it's a soap opera. You never know. And um, so I was genuinely in touch and I, and I felt very confident the minute I walked on set. And then afterwards, being back in the desert, it was like, oh, my God, did I do it right? Am I going to disappoint them? Are they going to like me? Are they going to change their mind? So, you know, typical actor, nerves, egos. But um, to see so many so many people with so many good wishes was just so i hope they'll be excited they'll tune in and uh, yeah she looks a little older she has that gray hair she's got your job has got gray hair <laughs> oh she looks like christian <laughs> <laughs> so it it, it it we we shall see and we shall see very soon but the thing is coming back to the show i mean however many times i've been back um what a whole new world this thing that COVID has wrought upon all of us. And to go drive to LA, to be tested twice a week, to do this, to they used to say places, everyone. Now they say mask up. And it, it, but to walk on set. So the first couple of days were a little unnerving. But thank God, I say bravo, Sony, bravo, CBS, bravo, Young and the Restless, to take these precautions. So, and that's brilliant. So the fans, the family, I prefer to call them friends, uh, friends of the show, can have these wonderful characters to hang out with in isolation. So but bravo. It's truly, truly something. Um, did you hit the ground running? Did you feel connected back? With Absolutely. 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 Just walked in. I say it wasn't until I got home and I was sitting in my house by myself and I'm going, oh my God, now I'm, now I'm reliving it. Now I'm nervous. And so I would call Matt. Was it okay? But no, everybody and the people that I saw on the show, they were just so genuinely, oh my gosh, Judith. Yeah. Da, 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 da. 
So they wouldn't say that if they didn't mean it. There's no reason for them to say, oh, hi, welcome back, you know. But genuine, genuine affection for Gloria. Yeah. Lovely. Well, give us, give us a little tease. What can you tell us about what we can expect when we do get to see you on screen again? More. <laughs> <laughs> more, more, more. Uh, Gloria hasn't changed that much. She's a little, maybe a little older, a little wiser, maybe a little wiser, but she's uh, still trying to climb that ladder. And um, there, uh, it's just imagine Greg's surprise when I walk into their house, <laughs> when I walk into the Chancellor Mansion, yeah, where they live. And it was just like, woo, guess who's coming to dinner? <laughs> I was home. <laughs> no, I know. But Glory, for all of her, I always say she's a train wreck. She go, barrels forward. Maybe she's in trouble. She never admitted. Maybe she's got a couple of problems, but she never admitted. You're just going to have to watch. Marla. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm not sorry. I'm delighted that I get to just watch. <laughs> yeah, we will definitely be watching. We're so excited that you're coming back and we thank you so much for joining us today and sharing. Well, thank you. This has been a real treat strolling down memory lane and, uh, you know, I, you forget, you know, you, as we, I'm a big yogi and, you know, try to practice my yogi centeredness and say live here now be here now and in the moment and not think about what was or what's ahead and i say thank you for the stroll down memory lane people it was so much fun Hope to talk well to god you. bless stay safe wear that darn mask right thank and, you. Um, and all that good stuff this too shall pass thank you judith have a great day thank you let's go watch a soap opera Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Judith Chapman for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.